It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> I got some things to say. Dying, but uh. hey, we all are. You're listening to the best of the back row. It is time for five random facts oh, with Mo. Goodness. Bring it. All right, number one grapefruit juice can interact dangerously with a number of medications. And yet, a lot of old people drink grapefruit juice. Yeah. Or is that just a stereotype of old people? I don't think I've ever actually seen an old person drinking grapefruit juice. That wasn't that wasn't on TV. I don't know that I've ever even heard that stereotype, Matt. Oh, I have. Really? Old people and grapefruits? Yes. Well, see, okay, so when I think grapefruits, I think of my mom because there was a diet. Oh, the grapefruit diet. Yeah. 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 But Weird she, Al even made a parody song about that. I mean, she would eat a whole <laughs> grapefruit for like breakfast and lunch Blah. every day. Blah. Every day. Blah. Grapefruits are disgusting. I like grapefruits. No. And recently, Chris and I did the hard-boiled egg diet for two weeks. Let me just go ahead and let y'all know it doesn't work. <laughs> um, just keep on eating your regular food. Don't don't put yourself through the agony of this. But anyway, you eat a couple hard-boiled eggs and a grapefruit <laughs> for breakfast. And now I'm thinking, crap. I'm on a few medications. (laughs) Did that grapefruit counteract with my medications? But yeah, seriously, Weird Weird Al Yankovic did a parody to Zoot Suit Riot called Grapefruit Diet. Really? Grapefruit Diet. Diet. Throw out the pizza and beer. (laughs) Yeah. I can remember my mom doing that. And as I was doing this hard-boiled egg diet and cutting my grapefruit every day, I'm like, oh, gosh. I've definitely become my mom. <laughs> I have tried I've tried grapefruit on multiple occasions and each time thinking I've matured. Surely my taste buds have. Surely they'll enjoy this. I like grapefruit. Ugh, no. I like it. It's the worst. No, I think it's good. Okay, next one. The Dutch army had only one tank during World War Two. Wow. I feel like that would be more interesting if I knew more about World War Two. <laughs> um, <laughs> and how the Dutch played a role in that. Um, the cardboard sleeve on your coffee cup is called a zarf. Zarf. <laughs> it sounds like, do you remember Pinky and the Brain from Animaniacs? Yes. That's, didn't he say narf? Yes. Yeah. Oh, narf. Yep. Something like zarf. Yep. <laughs> Oh, Pinky in the Brain. So whenever what I are we ask Chris, do tonight, brain? I know. Whenever I ask Chris, what are we gonna do today? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try and take trying over the to world. take over the world. <laughs> oh man. Okay, we're nineties kids. In Stockholm, they have a lottery system where good drivers can win the money, bad drivers pay in fines. That's fantastic. I think that's amazing. That's fantastic. Of course, I'm probably not in the good driver file. I don't know. But at the same time, it pays off to be a bad driver. Because the more that you poorly drive, the bigger that 
lottery is going to be. But it doesn't pay end. off for you. You ain't going to any money because only good drivers can win oh, the money. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. This is what Chris and I would do, mm-hmm. right? One of us would be the bad driver and the ah, other one would be the good driver. There we go. See? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Ah, okay. Last one. It's more stressful to be a waiter than a neurosurgeon. This was found by a study. I completely believe that, especially during the lunch and, well, usually the lunch rush. The lunch rush is worse than the dinner rush. Well, I feel like a neurosurgeon has power to tell people around him to shut up and give him, like... That's true. Yeah, you don't have any Give power me a, a peaceful, waiter. calm work setting. I am performing surgery here. <laughs> Be quiet. Well, here's what I hated. As a... <clears throat> you know, when I worked in the Italian restaurant, dinner rush was great. Because dinner is like three hours long in most people's opinion. You know, it spans a time. Mm. Lunch is only noon to one at yeah. a restaurant. And people come in expecting to get a full like 45 minute hour long dinner experience crammed into 25, 30 minutes. And I have just as many tables with just as much food being ordered. And I have to do it twice as fast for these people to get out and get back to work. That was stressful as heck. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. I hated working the lunch rush. And I was so bad at it, thank goodness, that they stopped putting me on it regularly. <laughs> I think I had one week a month where they made me do like two or three days. Oh, but gosh, it was the worst. Yeah. The I, worst. I, yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you've got... I mean, okay, so a neurosurgeon has the potential of someone dying on his table, right? Yeah. As a waiter, you very well have the potential of someone dying at your table as well if you get their order wrong and they have a deathly allergy. Yeah, especially something. at that one that I had because it was it specialized in gluten free food. Uh-huh. Yeah, had both. I remember some of the yeah. stories of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one of my mistakes happened on the lunch rush. <laughs> like, here's your sandwich. That is not the gluten free bread. Don't eat it. <laughs> Hold on. Mixed up the sandwiches. Yep. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Those, every lunch rush, I wanted to quit my job. Yeah. I loved dinner, even during the rush, during the busy times. Lunch, I wanted to kill myself. So this is just even more reason for us to urge our children to aspire to be surgeons rather than a waiter. (laughs) It will be less stressful on you. I mean, you only have to go to college for 47 years. But once you do... Then, you're then you good. get to pay back all those student loans uh-huh. with all the money you make. But your job <laughs> is less, stressful. less stressful than a winner. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we got some artist updates. Shane and Shane say the love when audience me- or sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Shane and Shane. I was reading it like it was supposed to be something different. <laughs> Shane and Shane say the love when audience members share verses of scripture with them after shows. Uh, they appreciate it unless the verse of scripture is Amos five twenty three, which says, "Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melodies of your harps I will not listen." <laughs> uh, and David Crowder has become a pizza genius. What? Thanks to Big Church Night Out, the well-known Christian artist was able to live out his dream of being a pizza genius with Little Caesars, a sponsor of the yearly concert tour. Uh, last week 
And up till now, Crowder is releasing several videos documenting his visit to Little Caesars as an employee for a day. Very cool. Crowder, come to Clovis. <laughs> we have a Little Caesars. Yeah, Little Caesars right across from where we're recording right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, come on, Crowder. <laughs> you know, those people really yeah. could use his help. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? If you hit them at the right time, Little Caesar pizza ain't bad. No, no. And surprisingly, the right time is after a Friday night football game here in town. Yeah. And they get like 20 people coming in, Mm -hmm. but they are on it. Mm -hmm. They have got all the pizzas ready. Mm -hmm. They're hot. They've got the crazy bread. No, but you call them and place an order for a day later for 25 pizzas. That ain't happening. And it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes late every time. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. Now, still being able to crank out. 25 pizzas in about 20 minutes still not a bad hustle it's not a bad but hustle, they forget about it but for real i mean we've <laughs> used it multiple times for two of the ministries at the church and, and just, every and single time almost, yeah. without fail it was one time one time they got it right <laughs> one time we, we got there and they were all waiting for us we're like oh. but every other time no, at like, that point we all just stood and we were like wait a minute is the rapture happening hold on <laughs> but every other What's time we walk here? in and we're like hey i'm here for the pizza well it's gonna be a problem yeah i figured <laughs> how why it's just gonna be a big nightmare oh okay <laughs> it's gonna be a nightmare something about hell on earth um <laughs> matt told me i could no longer go and pick up the pizza from little caesar's because you'll just because i mean <laughs> you, you have no decorum like dang it people this it's is not your hard. job <laughs> I called yesterday and I called this morning to remind you. <laughs> and you assured me both times that at 5.30 they would be ready for pickup. And I am here at 5.40 giving you a 10-minute buffer and it is not ready. Not ready. Where's your manager? Oh, your manager is the 19-year-old that I'm talking to? That might be your problem. Oh, uh, all right. But... <laughs> Now that we've lambasted our local <laughs> Little Caesars, Crowder I do want to say it's really cool that Little Caesars is a sponsor for the Big Church Night Out. I agree. That's really I neat. I agree. Because I don't know Little Caesars to be a particularly religious company. No. Like, you know, we think of Chick-fil-A, clearly, and in and out and stuff like that as having religious ties. But I've never really heard that about Little Caesars yeah. before. Um, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Let's see. I still think that we need Crowder to come here, though. Yeah, Crowder. Come on. Make us some pizzas. That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. Put us on the map. We need something to put us on the map. <laughs> There's a comedian um, for Dry Bar Comedy, which is the comedy thing that Vid Angel puts out. And they got several, several comedy specials, and they're all clean, you mm-hmm. know, comedy things. Not all Christian per se, but clean. And there's one <laughs> I was talking about the different pizza places. He goes, I love Papa John's Pizza. But Papa John's Pizza, a large one topping is going to cost you like $14. Mm-hmm. And you got to go get it most of the time. Meanwhile, down the street, Little Caesars, Little Caesars is there saying, I'll do anything you want for $5. <laughs> Basically, Little Caesars is the yes. prostitute of the pizza it world. It is. It is. Oh... Man. Never fails. Little Caesars, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and my stomach is revolting. I can eat any other 
kind of pizza, but for some reason it's Little Caesars, and I'm like, as I'm eating, but when it you're eating as it, well, you're like, hey. Yeah, as I'm eating it, I'm like, this is pretty good. I know that in four hours, I'm going to hate my life, but this is pretty good. But in the moment, I'm happy. <laughs> Little Caesars is the best when you don't pay for it. When it's someone else brought in and it's like a pizza party of Little Caesars and stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'll eat a whole pie. I feel like that's true about anything. It's possible, but it's when very noticeable. When you don't noticeable. pay for it, it's But it's good. very noticeable with Little Caesars, though. Yeah. Because when I... Most of the time when I buy my own Little Caesars, I'm like, this is not worth the $5. This is garbage. This is so bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's a it's a weird dichotomy with Little Caesars. It is. I but for now, I'm going to be happy with them because of their <laughs> sponsorship choices. Yes. You are listening to the best of the back row. Four strategies for to escape a Bible reading rut. Now, this is where you just ain't having fun reading the Bible anymore and you start to not do it. So here's four ways to help keep it fresh for you. Number one, listen to the Bible rather than read from it. I did go through a period where I listened to the Bible. Yeah. Um, It was acted out by a bunch of different people. Uh, Several of them Hollywood actors like Denzel Washington and whatnot. Uh, it was very good. Uh, I believe I listened to the whole thing. Maybe just the whole New Testament. But it was still very good. I'm curious if it's an option on Alexa. Can I? Because I can see myself doing that. Alexa, play the Daily Bible for me while I'm cleaning or whatever. I mean, I know they do a verse. They'll do a daily verse. I don't. I bet there's a maybe a chapter a day situation you could figure out and find. Well, somewhere. and I'm sure... Cause the way that it works, right, is if I were to buy it on Amazon <clears throat> as like the ebook, then oh, it's in my yeah. queue, yeah. right? Maybe. And she or in my library, and yeah. she could just read it from there. Yeah, I bet. Huh? I'm gonna do it. I I'm bet. doing I bet it. You. I bet you. All right, number two, read from a different translation. Ooh, yeah. This has helped too a lot. Uh, going from like the NLT to the ESV, or if you were a KJV person. And you're like, this is tiring. You know, go a different direction. It's okay. I know there's a lot of different thoughts about all these different translations. And mm-hmm. if it's better to go thought for thought or meaning for meaning and or word for word or whatever. But just, you know, it's all good, man. Read we, what you got. Chris and I have started reading from The Voice. <coughs> and the what voice. we'll do. Uh-huh. What's that? It's a translation. I've never heard of The Voice. It's amazing. I thought that was a TV show. But it breaks it down into... See, now I'm questioning. Is it The Voice? Is that the name of it? I'm going to have to ask Chris. Uh, I'm Um, just going to Google. But it's almost read like a story, like a book. Like you would read your favorite novel. Um, But then we counteract it with... Yeah. Okay, so we counteract it with ESV to make sure that, you know, nothing's like messing up or unbiblical or whatever um but it's for the most part it just it really kind of goes into depth as far as history is concerned as far as what word each word means but it's read like a story interesting it's now that's a, now that's initially how the message started yeah and uh, but the message like it waters it down 
And you're you saying know what the I voice mean? doesn't? The voice does not. All right, so I looked it up here, and it is a, it's a translation method. It says it was produced through an unusual translation process, along with Bible and language scholars, many artists, writers, and musicians helped determine the final text. The voice attempts to translate the poetry, humor, and beauty of the Bible's passages to produce an effect similar to what one would experience reading in the original languages. In presenting the text as a literary-style story, the publishers have chosen a screenplay-style format. Instead of saying, and Jesus said unto them, the text uses a script-like presentation to indicate who is talking. Oh, okay. So yeah. it just says, like, Jesus, colon. Uh-huh. That's what he says. Yeah. Breakout sections in another... Uh, breakout sections in another color are used for descriptions of events and other narration. Weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so here's so here's an example. Here, here's an example from Psalm 23. It says, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So the voice, that's the KJV. So uh-huh. the voice puts it like this. He provides me rest in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He soothes my fears. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn hard paths to road where truth to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? That's impressive. I've I we have really, really, really enjoyed reading from the voice. I mean, I need to do more research into it before I'm going to just straight out recommend yeah. it myself. But yeah. I will say I am intrigued. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, like said, that's that's the third one, too. Sorry, go ahead and finish. I, to me, it just didn't feel quite as watered down. Quite as, as like, happy-go-lucky, everything is good, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? The message felt promising at first, and it just kind of got... It kind of got less impressive as time went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the third list is use a reader's Bible, which is essentially a Bible written like a book. Uh, now, to qualify as a reader's Bible, all it really has to do is it cuts out the the verse numbers and chapter numbers and whatever and helps it flow like a actual story. Right. And helps you not block off verses and... Uh, Kind of helps you keep it in context and feel more like a story. But this this in itself feels like it would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah. All right. And number four, stop reading your Bible on your phone. <laughs> Gosh. I think, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or if I just talked about it with someone else recently. But, ah, you get, you get so caught up in using your phone for everything. But when you're reading your Bible on your phone... All it takes is one uh-huh. to pop up and you're done. Yep. And you're like, oh, Facebook, oh, comment, oh, mm-hmm. look, look at this. Uh, yeah. I'll get back to you in a minute. And you never do. Yeah. And you need to separate yourself from the outside world and focus on just reading the Bible. And I think it's time to return to hard copy Bibles. physical Bibles. I agree wholeheartedly. <clears throat> we... Yeah. Um, we just switched cell, cell phone providers in the yeah. last couple of weeks. And through that, the boys got new phones. And they both put the Bible app on their phone, which at first I was like, awesome, cool. They're, you know, they've got mm-hmm. the Bible app on their phone. Last Sunday, as we were sitting in church, Topher pulls up the, the verse that the sermon is coming from. And then like 10 minutes later, I look over at him and he's with his thumb just scrolling, 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 mm-hmm. scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You know, he's not actually looking, but right. he was he's, doing he's, something to keep himself busy. He's and in he's Facebook fidgeting. mode at that point. Yeah. yeah. Of um, just the constant scroll. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And he doesn't even have Facebook. But anyway, so we got in the car (laughs) and I told him, I was like, guys, if you want to use the Bible app at home, you know, you got to look something up. You want to reference something. As a tool, it's fantastic. That's great. But when we are at church, use your Bible. Use the Bible that's provided in the pew in front of you. (laughs) Use the Bible. Because, and I feel like there's something remember, that... Do you remember a time when people brought Bibles to church? Right. That's nowhere now. I bring a Bible still every Sunday. Do you? Yep. Every Sunday. Yeah. There's a part of me that feels like you have to bring a Bible. You You're to, going right? to church. And then a part of me that feels like I have like 12 Bibles that I've gotten over my lifetime. <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I need, need to I need to take one of those. <laughs> They must be lonely up there. They must be lonely sitting on the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I still remember. I remember when it changed because we used to bring our Bible every week mm-hmm. and then smartphones came out and that was just Yep. Nobody done. brings their Bible anymore. It was done almost immediately. I actually feel like when I walk in with a Bible in my hand, people are like, oh, what's that book? Oh, oh, that. Oh, okay. And then they're like, what's her problem stuck up? Right. Bringing her Bible. Think she's better than us. <laughs> Or they're too poor to get smartphones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, are they okay? <laughs> they must be we really struggling. <laughs> but I told the boys that it's a lost art, if it you really will, is, to yeah. be able to flip to the book of the Bible, to know where John is in the Bible. Bible races. Yeah, you know, Bible drills. The verse first? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know. I recently got a new hardcover Bible, a new CSB Bible, mm-hmm. the, the updated Holman Christian Standard, because CSB is now the official Bible of the Southern Baptist Church. Hey, apparently. what do you know? Uh, they, they, The CSB Bible actually sponsors Not Another Baptist Podcast, which we fe- feature on Saturdays. Really? Like they're a sponsor, the Bible itself. The Word of God sponsors <laughs> this podcast. I'm just thinking, how did y'all land this? How That's did you awesome. get? How did you get a whole Bible translation to sponsor your podcast? That's cool. But uh, yeah, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it a lot. I mean, of course, I'm in, I'm liking having hard copy. But I mean, as a translation, it ain't bad. Yeah, it's one of the better ones that yeah. I've that I'm so far seeing. I haven't read through the whole thing, but uh, from what I've used so far, I enjoy it. So pick up a hard copy, man. Right? Yeah. There are two types of people in the world, okay? This is my new segment, (laughs) Two Types of People. And it's me and my husband, Two Types of People. It's the one who has had the same translation, the same Bible since he was a child, okay? And then the one who has 20 different copies in different translations because she likes to cross-reference. And so Chris was in his KJV that he's had since birth. And he's like, I really, I don't like reading from this Bible. I don't, I just can't do it. But he will not commit to buying a new Bible. He will not. So what he does is he just goes and finds one of my 20 different copies and figures out which one he wants to read from. Now I had, for the longest time, my my main Bible was a parallel Bible. But it was a parallel Bible of the NIV and the message. Okay. And this was before I realized that both of those translations are starting to have major problems. Right. But but at the time, I really loved having that because you'd have the standard, what we typically see as the translation. And this mm-hmm. was NIV 84 before the updates of uh, half, a dec- half, a, half a decade ago already. Wow. More. Goodness. But before the update, uh, that brought in a lot of questionable things. And then the message, uh, which as a 
reference and as a paraphrase is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. If we don't take it as a literal interpretation of scripture, but as a paraphrase, that's perfect. And so having it as a parallel version, that's great because it really helps you understand what's being said, mm-hmm. uh, being able to view it from the two different sources. Mm-hmm. But they have parallel Bibles of all kinds and they used to be like study tools and a lot of them still are like they have like four version parallels which are giant yeah so they have to be these hardback giant books that's exactly what i'm thinking as you're talking but with a two with a two translation one it's still pretty thick but they have you know leather bound versions which mine was it was like a really nice two-tone cover and everything um and those can be those can be really nice um when you're actually reading out of a hard copy (laughs) so here's a quick question for you matt yeah what do you do with a bible like that okay you you have it Mm -hmm. right but you begin to realize wait a minute this is a little bit off yeah so i shouldn't be using it i need to find a new bible that but do you get rid of it do you give it away do you it goes in your library as things for it becomes reference material pretty much okay I think that's what most pastors would say. <laughs> anything, anything that's in their library that they don't want to, uh, don't want to admit to owning. Oh, it's just for reference, right? <laughs> there are some, there are some pastors that I've seen that actually print out these stickers to put on the spine that say, "This is for reference only. This is not <laughs> for my personal use." Um, <laughs> Johnny, uh, my pa- our pastor here at Highland. Um, he preached this whole sermon against the prosperity gospel uh, one Sunday, or at least had a big chunk of one sermon that was about it. So luckily I heard that first, but I walked into his study after he got all his hundreds of books up. And like the very first book I see as I walk in the door is Your Best Life Now by Joel Osteen. And I'm like, oh no, Johnny. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, no, he doesn't believe that. Right. And so I brought it up with him and he goes, oh, you know why I have that? Someone gave it to me as a joke when I was leaving my last pastor. <laughs> You're listening to the best of the back row. You're listening to the best of the back row. It is Topless Tuesday. List. Top list, list Tuesday. And we've got... Uh, 10 rules to help reduce conflict in your marriage. Mm. Oh, there's a police siren going off outside. Someone did not reduce the conflict in their marriage. No, they did not. Or uh, their speed. <laughs> their speed. <laughs> All right, rule number one. I will communicate my expectations and not take it for granted that my spouse understands what I need or want. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. It's I think good it, that yeah. it's number one. Yeah. Because there's too many times that we're, we... There's too many times that we don't communicate well enough and just expect the other person to know right. what you want or what you need. Or on the flip side, I feel like they we either expect them to just know or we think that they're not going to care. Yeah, yeah. You know? And both of those are bad signs. Yep. Rule number two, I will verify my assumptions so that I have accurate information and feedback. That's another big one of, along the same vein. Is that we need to stop making assumptions about what the other person meant. And that needs to be in all of life. There is too much assuming, assuming you know what that person said or meant or f- how that person feels about you and just automatically being offended instead of saying, 
hey, what did you mean by this? Mm-hmm. You know, and let's work this out. Yeah. I believe at least half the time there was no ill will meant and it was a misunderstanding, but people just don't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt, we're good at that. You and me? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. We've we've had to do it a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, one happened recently where I'd be like, look, I'm not, if I don't deal with this now, I'm going to let it ruin the entire thing. Let's just talk this out. Yeah. (laughs) Just got to tell you something, okay? (laughs) Uh, Rule number three, uh, I will strive toward understanding my spouse's feelings and thoughts on a matter first without criticism before attempting to negotiate or compromise. There was a lot of words. I'm having to reread it a couple times. <laughs> Just pause one second. Let me let me let me breathe that in. <laughs> Understand what your spouse is saying and feeling first before you try to put in what you want out of it. I kind of feel like that goes along with the assumptions though. Yeah. But these are just specific. Yeah. 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 Rule number four. I will focus on resolving the issues and not attempt to make my spouse or our relationship the problem. That's good, too. That goes along with the whole we're on the same team, not opposing teams. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, number five, I will give myself and my spouse permission to take a time out from the discussion whenever it is requested or needed. As long as I give a specific time frame when we will resume problem solving okay so that last part i feel like is the big deal the big deal Mm -hmm. if you're going to take a time out you have to have to have to give a time frame look just give me 10 minutes just give me till the end of the day just you know what i mean because there are there are two types of people there are people who need time in order to allow things to process and be able to to refocus and then there are people who cannot have time because the more time that they linger on something the more bitter they're going to grow and that's me i in conflict i do not i can't do time time is bad for you time is bad for me exactly time is not on your side i am stewing over it i am i've figured out all the possible things that i'm going to say in retaliation to whatever the other person's argument is going to be, I've grown bitter, I've gotten even more upset, you know, and something that for me would have could have very easily been resolved in a yeah. two to five minute, this is how I'm feeling, I'm sorry, you and know. See, I feel like I'm the opposite way. I feel like that the, if I ha- have more time, even though I might feel like I'm stewing about it and coming up with all these arguments or whatever, usually by the time I actually get to have the conversation with the person again, sometimes even right up to the minute, I'm feeling like I'm going to get them. And then the conversation starts, and I just immediately realize, okay, you know what? It's not worth it to destroy this. Let's just, let's talk about this. Let's air it out. I usually mellow out by the time the conversation starts. But in the heat of the moment, I think I would be more irrational. Yeah. And what's crazy is it has taken up until this year for me to realize that there are those two types of people. Not everyone is like me. (laughs) Not everyone needs to talk it out. And I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way, honestly. Yeah. It's just how we as people process things. But having that time frame on it and saying, listen, this is important to me and I will come back to it 
at this point. That respects both yeah. both personalities. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Rule number six. I will accept a neutral place and time to discuss problems that are mutually satisfactory and does not give one partner an advantage over the other. So this would be like maybe not doing it at your parents' house where you know your parents are going to back you up. <laughs> right. Right. Or even honestly in front of the kids. Don't do it in front of the kids. Right. That's one of the things that riles me up. That's one of the things that will quickly get me mad if the other person is making an argument and in order to inflate their argument draws somebody else in yeah. and asks them the question and waits for them to tell me the exact same thing that they told me. Yeah. Even if I'm wrong, at that point, you're the jerk and I'm walking away. I, I totally do it, Matt. <laughs> I do it all the time. I but... uh. Let me just prove no, to you never, that I'm not the only one I don't who think feels you've done this that way. Me, or any serious argument, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just talking about in serious right. like arguments. I know you've done that to me many times, or even if it's just bringing in Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's in Google fairness, it. <laughs> in fairness, we've done that to each other. But yeah. you did just do that to me in the last episode. Well, you know, I'm when sorry. I questioned your calamari knowledge. Well, and <laughs> hey, but here's the thing. This is something that I can pat myself on the back about. If I'm wrong, I admit that I'm That's wrong. True. That's true. If I'm wrong, I'm not. Oh well, I I I well, misunderstood well, that. I well, wasn't. Maybe maybe here. Yeah. But in Italy. <laughs> yeah. It's, all octopus. That's all, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. I am. I am quick to say, "Oh, I was wrong." Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, rule number seven: I will take ownership of and be completely accountable for my own feelings, thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors first, without blame shifting things towards my spouse. Mm, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Rule number eight: I will be responsive and not reactive. Uh, so responsive, not reactive when discussing issues or receiving feedback about my behavior from my spouse. Um, num- rule number nine, I will not attempt to control my spouse with sarcasm, rage, threats, manipulation, shame, jealousy, or silence. Wow. Whoo. Breathe that one in folks. Right. Uh, cause I feel like those are all go to things with a lot of people in their arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember there was a time when my wife and I were both like that when we were dating early on. Um, and there were a few times that we would get into big arguments and she would kind of resort to crying. And after like the fourth time it happened, I realized she's just trying to win the argument. Right. <laughs> She's trying to make me feel bad. <laughs> so I I very rudely <laughs> said, look, cry all you want. We're going to finish talking about this when you're done. And uh, <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember that kind of stopped that. But that was like the, the only thing Deidre ever did wrong in arguments like that. I have been very sarcastic uh, and I've been silent a lot. Yeah. Uh, which she hates. Oh, I hate Gosh, it too. Yeah. And for me, it's not all, it's not all about trying to be manipulative, even though it is manipulative. It's usually I'm trying to have my brain try to think in one steady thought instead of all the jumbled anger that I have. Um, But I know that it riles her up too. So sometimes I have done it on purpose. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I tend to get, I'm the one that tends to get overly emotional now. So I find Uh, this, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. 
I find that this happens so early in in our life. Yeah. Like these these um, coping mechanisms, if you will, mm-hmm. they happen. So, we were watching. We had a a movie marathon with our kids over the weekend, and ten o'clock last night. Cannon's phone goes off, and I've shared that Cannon has a little girlfriend. Right? Oh, right, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Topher has not—he doesn't—he hasn't had a girlfriend yet. Topher is our oldest. Cannon is our middle. They're only fifteen months apart. But Topher says anything before high school doesn't count anyway. Which speaking is in relationships, so sort of true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Cannon, this is his second girlfriend, and he's <laughs> almost twelve. Um, yeah, he's like his, I was. Yeah. Um, but his little girlfriend texted him at, it was 9.59, and I kind of look over at the phone, and by this point, their phones are supposed to be put away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris and I check the text message with him sitting there, and Chris reads it, Chris hands it to me, I read it, I hand it to Cannon. Cannon's like, I don't, do I respond to her? Do I say something? And I was like, yes, you can't let it not go <laughs> resolved. But the little girl said... Do you really like me? Because I feel like someone like you is going to break up with me. Oh. I know. Oh. And or she said I'm and she says I'm really insecure. I don't feel like I'm pretty. I think that you're going to break up with me. And it just broke my heart for an 11-year-old girl to have these feelings. And to be you that know? honest with them. Right? Well, yeah. so and uh, Canon <laughs> Canon rolls his eyes. She says this at school all the time. I don't know what to say, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I told him, I said, okay, tell her, I'm sorry that you feel this way. It's not true. That's not how I feel. But I'm going to bed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, thanks, Mom. I would have never thought to say that. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm like, okay, I'm giving my 11-year-old, almost 12-year-old relationship (laughs) advice here. But this little girl at 11 years old feels so insecure about herself already. It just breaks my heart. But you know what? I was like that for a long time with Daedra. Um, Of course, we weren't that young, but we were young enough. But I thought that she was just so far above me, Mm -hmm. both socially and in looks and, and all this. I'm like, I don't understand why you're still here. You're not going to be here tomorrow, right? You're not. You don't really. I mean, you don't really like me, right? Mm. And what made it worse is that she had a friend who is, was not her friend after this moment, <laughs> but she had a friend who basically came to me uh, under the guise of trying to help me, saying that the only reason she was dating me was to get closer to one of my friends, mm. whom I know that she did have a crush on, like a year before we started dating, right? And so that messed me up. And so I had, and she's like, I don't know what to do to convince you other than the fact that I'm still your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, But like, even when we were married, there was a long time where I'm like, this isn't going to last. I just, I just know it. One day she's going to wake up and be like, I don't need to be here. Yeah. And uh, so it it took me screwing up life uh, and getting caught up in my own selfish habits to the point where it could have broken a normal marriage. Yeah. To realize, okay, she's really not leaving me. She's really me. <laughs> not going anywhere. And so I don't worry about that stuff yeah. anymore. So, but, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I don't advise anyone to go screwing up their, their life or their marriage. But there are two people sitting here talking, and it's worked for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we find 100% success right? with screwing things up. Ugh. 
no. putting your marriage to the test by <laughs> screwing up life and seeing if the other person sticks around. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of the ultimate test. And you know the answer it, afterwards. It worked for us. All right, if there's you, one more rule, Matt. You aren't going to leave me for this. I can do anything. <laughs> rule number 10. <laughs> I will actively seek the forgiveness of my spouse when I am aware of any wrongdoing on my part. And I will extend forgiveness when it's asked for. Mm. Two very important things. Could have been their own rule, but I guess they just tried to cram them into 10 because 10's easy. Yeah. Uh, but yes, um, that's something from CR as well. You know, make amends, seek forgiveness, and offer forgiveness. Yes. Uh, very important and uh, necessary for any relationship. Absolutely. Let alone a marriage. Um, so, yeah, 10 solid rules, I think. I don't yep. disagree with anything we read there. No, I don't either. That Very was good. good. Very good. You're listening to the best of the back row. You're listening to the best of the back row. Hey, Mo. Hey, Matt. I think it's time for five random facts. What do you think about it? All right. So, number one, T-Mobile owns the color magenta. The brand trademarked the color, and a Texas judge ruled that similar colors, even with different names, can't be used by other telecom companies. Now, I wonder if it's just that, because I know, like, Blue's Clues had a, ca- a dog character called magenta uh-huh. that was magenta. Blue's Clues. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Blue's Clues is coming back? Is it really? Yeah. Got a new host and everything. No. Well, yeah, they can't go back to the old hosts. There. Yeah, but they've already gone through two hosts, yeah. Steve and Joe, and yeah. now who are we going to have? Um, Some, I don't remember his name. Okay, see, now it should be a woman, for real. It's not like, a woman, I know that. That's dumb. They should have, like, Steve and Joe's sister, Sally. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to try and make him related or not. I don't think so, because I think he's of a different ethnicity. Um, then it's not Blue's Clues. Well, Blue's still going to be there and he'll still be giving clues. Okay, this is just teaching children that it's okay to get rid of your family animal. <laughs> Maybe Joe died. Did you ever think about that? Then Maybe he died. Whatever. Maybe this is a friend taking in a dead friend's dog. Joe did not die, children. <laughs> <laughs> Not just children, but <laughs> or adults in there, right? <laughs> you just sent a twinge of real great sadness through me, thinking that Joe may have passed away. Uh, that was I, my well, brother's favorite cartoon. I, well, I think there's a lot of people out there who want Joe to die. That's rude. Because because he took Steve's place. That's rude. I well, I know. Okay, but Steve. But there's a whole Steve thing. had a problem. Steve had to go away. Steve didn't so, have a problem. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Steve had a drug problem. No, that is the rumor. He never <laughs> had a drug problem. He was just done. He was balding. His hairline was going up. And he said, I didn't want to be this bald kid pretending to be this like older brother type to all these children. So I thought it was time. He went on and did like this thing. He had a band and everything. There were no drugs. He's still fine. He's not dead. He's still alive today. And he gets asked every single year, whatever happened to Steve from Blue's Clues? I just had a normal life, guys. I'm fine. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Steve and Joe, either way, they will be missed. And hopefully Magento will be. 
an active character again. <laughs> All right. Number two, Spain's uh, national anthem. Just on number two? Yeah, Matt. Goodness gracious. Spain's national anthem, Macaril? Macaril? Macha? Marcha? Or Royal March doesn't have official lyrics. It was written as a military march and as such was not intended intended to be a song. Huh. No, it is a song. It's not intended to be sung. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has no words. <laughs> to be sung, people. Jeez. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it so our national anthem shouldn't be a song. No, but it's a march. It's not a song. <laughs> Ugh. Get it together. Um, Barry Manilow wrote the State Farm jingle and the classic, I'm stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid's stuck on me. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid's stuck on me. Uh, I think that's how it goes. So the State Manilow. Farm jingle is like a good neighbor. Like a good neighbor. State, State Farm, Farm is there. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. I thought all jingles were made by, uh, oh, what's his Jingle name? the Elf? No. What's wrong with you? What? That was rude. That was rude. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think of a real person. <laughs> Jingle the Elf? What? <laughs> his name? You're a jerk. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember his name. Never mind. Well, Paul Anka. Paul Anka. I thought all jingles were made by Paul Anka. Nope. These two were anyway. made by Barry Manilow. So, <laughs> the sound you hear when you put uh, put a seashell next to your ear is not the ocean, but blood flowing through your brain. Mm. Our brain sounds like the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And lastly, goats, like us, have regional accents, and goats from different regions can have trouble understanding each other. I'm going to need to phone a friend on this one. Um, <laughs> that seems weird. Maddie, my my goat-loving friend, is this true? <laughs> Do you have any German goats? Yeah. You, she has all kinds Whoa. of goats. Whoa. That's how they sound. I'm kind of curious. You know what? I'm going to text her and ask her, and we'll get back to this. <laughs> Those are my five random facts. You're listening to the best of the back row. So we've been doing this morning show for several weeks now, oh, and uh, we have quite a few people who have joined us on Back Row Radio that weren't listeners to us when we were the Back Row Baptist podcast hey, before well, the that's show. Cool. Uh, so they might not know about our philosophy about placing an equal focus on humor and healing. Uh, a lot of folks, just in general, don't understand how the two could mix. Uh, they don't see how the two really go together. How can we have humor and serious topics at the same time? How can we take a serious faith and be uh, funny people? Uh-huh. It's you know to a lot of people that seems almost sacrilegious, yeah, or or at least um, offensive mm-hmm. to serious faith. Uh, but to me, honestly, I don't see how it could be done uh, any differently, uh, especially when we read stories like a couple of them that we just talked about that are just so terrible. Um, how are you going to survive life without mm-hmm. trying to find some humor in it? Yeah. Uh, at the same time, we were looking at the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. Um, you know, how are you going to survive that kind of stuff without having a a uh, almost flippant attitude towards hurricanes? Like we talked about before, they had 
big signs up that say, "Hey, Florence, kiss my grits." Yeah, over their windows and whatnot. You gotta, you have to find the humor in this. Uh, we're living in a nation right now divided over things like Brett Kavanaugh and abortion debate oh and goodness. and all this kind of stuff <laughs> that we've been talking about for years, and it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I mean, it's so, so emotionally draining just to exist in our current social media driven world that we would go nuts. Yeah. We're, we're so totally overrun with things that upset us and worry us that if we don't do something to laugh, if we don't find something to laugh about and someone to laugh with, we are going to go out of our minds. Absolutely. As some of us in America clearly have already. Right. It seems apparent. Um, like, for instance, uh, for those who don't know my testimony, uh, several years ago now, over, uh, well, about a decade ago, over a decade ago, um, I was uh, arrested. And uh, I spent a little bit of time in jail, six months in jail. Uh, if you want to hear my whole testimony, you can find it online in several places. But um, I remember sitting there. I had to take a long car ride, a six-hour car ride to the state uh, facilities that I was going to. And so I'm sitting in the back of this car, handcuffed, and just miserable about everything and thinking about what the future was going to be like and having no idea what was coming next and thinking that I had ruined all my life and that God would never use me again and that my wife might leave me and all these kind of terrible, terrible things that Mm -hmm. you're worrying about. And in that same time, up in the front seat were the two guys that had come to get me fiddling with the XM radio, and they couldn't stick on a station. So they just kept moving over. And as they kept changing the station, I heard a bit from Brian Regan, which is my favorite comedian, my wife's favorite comedian. And uh, it was from a show that we had just recently listened together. I heard uh, a... Weird Al song <laughs> that I had just recently discovered and heard it again. Uh, and then I heard a, a, a song from the last movie that my wife and I had watched, which was, I believe, an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> and sitting there thinking about all those good times that we had and the laughter that uh, I shared with my wife, uh, it it just felt clear to me that God was using just that weird little satellite radio <laughs> uh, moment to say, hey, it's okay. We're going to get through this somehow. And I even found myself enjoying listening to these things in my car ride to jail. You know? And that's that's uh, that's how I had to spend those six months is finding humor. Finding, finding things to laugh about. My wife and I wrote to each other a lot while I was in there. And in our letters, we made it a point to doodle cartoons. Goofy, ridiculous, stupid things. Uh, I'm remembering a, uh, a gentleman turtle, a turtle <laughs> with a cane and a bowler hat that I drew, uh, <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm picturing a thousand different things just rushing to my head. A thousand different doodles that we've done. Um, Deidre did some really funny ones of me. Uh, she made little comic strips of me doing things. I mean, it was just that kind of stuff is what gets you through. The pain gets you through the worry, and uh, it's stuff that I needed. And, of course, now, you know, we've been talking about my dad who's facing his mortality, and, you know, 
it's really easy to just be doom and gloom, the whole family. It's really easy to just be doom and gloom and be nothing but miserable and everybody sit there in worried silence at the dinner table or whatever. But instead, we sit there and we tell stories and we tell jokes and we laugh and uh, we poke fun at each other. And that's how we cope, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you shared a story on the podcast about a year ago of a similar situation, right? Yeah. It's actually been... Two years. It's been two years. It'll be two years, the thirty first of this month. Yep. Yeah. Um, but again, for those who don't know Chris's mom, my husband's mom, um, passed away two years ago, October thirty first, from a thirteen month um struggle with cancer. Hmm. And so, um we as a family, my husband and I are military, so we are stationed here in New Mexico, and our family is back home in Tennessee. And so f- throughout the, those 13 months, we went home quite a few times, and even though we weren't there daily, we could see my mother-in-law digressing. Her health was just... It had depleted at this point. You yeah. know? She was tiny, um, looked nothing like herself, the last time that we went home before she passed away, um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had come and visited us here in New Mexico, and then we traveled back with them to Tennessee. And my brother-in-law had told my husband, their brothers, he told him, I just want you to be very aware. Mom does not look like she looks. You're going to be shocked when you see her. And so when we walked in the house that that one time, it was... A, a shock factor she had lost so much weight she just looked nothing like herself and then that was in august and then she passed away that october and so when we went home um my sister-in-law april and i we are very very similar in a lot of ways which go figure two brothers married women who are very similar but we have a very similar outlook on life whereas um much of the family was sad which of course they've lost someone who they love and you know many of my mother-in-law's friends came to the funeral and um overall even though it was a 13 month period it just seemed so quick yeah so fast you know and a lot of people just didn't quite have time to process um her passing so while everybody was so sad at the funeral and you know they do that whole which I'll, I'll never understand this, but where people walk in the viewing part of it, yeah. people walk in and they shake the family's hand and then they take one last look at the casket and then they go sit down before the, the service begins. Um, April and I were the comedic relief. And I'm realizing that, you know, quite a few people that probably made them very awkward, that as we're shaking their hand, we're cracking jokes with them. And April and I are cracking jokes between the two of us. And um, I know that that took some people aback and they were probably thinking, oh, are you happy that she's gone? Are you, you know, why are you, why are you not sad? Why are you not crying? Why are, um, but April and I in that moment really felt the need to remind people that, yeah, we're sad that she's no longer with us, but bigger than that, we're happy because we know where she is. Yeah. You know, her salvation was secure. We, she was a godly woman. We knew where she went. Um, and so for us, it was more of a celebration time, but people just quite didn't understand that. And that was our way of dealing and coping. coping Otherwise, yeah. I think April and I, we loved our mother-in-law 
dearly. And I think we probably would have been a hot messes standing up there <laughs> had we not been laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. It's, it's, uh, I mean, of course it's not everybody's cup of tea, cup of tea or need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are quite a few people that cope with humor mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's, I think it's unfair for people who don't to automatically condemn that oh sure as something wrong because you cope differently um i mean it's it's not it's not wrong to to laugh it's not wrong to find the humor in things and the joy in things uh it's it's very important in our lives actually and in our faith to keep ourselves humble uh keeps us smiling helps us fight pain and cope in a safe way frankly humor is a gift from god mm-hmm. uh, back row radio in fact has a community on facebook uh, it's a group called Back Row Baptist Church, which is a fake church. We're not a cult. Uh, <laughs> not a cult. Um, but uh, you don't have to be a Baptist to join as well. Uh, but all we really do is share Christian memes and Babylon Bee stories and just do our best to make each other laugh and make social media and the internet in general a more fun place. Because, uh, gosh, it's getting really tiresome really quick mm-hmm. with all the seriousness uh, so we'd love for you to uh, join that group. We'd welcome you in the group if you're listening to this right now because that means you're somebody that we know we get along with. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's enough of us on that group that are posting regularly that yeah. it's going to fill up your news feed. Right. And with at just first, happy stuff. Yeah. See, and here's the thing, Matt. I gotta, I just got to tell you. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, one more Baptist meme. <laughs> one more. Anyway. Um But then I got to thinking, and where Chris and I were in our marriage five years ago, I needed humor in that time. You know, I needed to feel, I needed to watch things on television that made me laugh. I needed to listen to things on the radio that made me laugh. I needed to read things that made me laugh because my my life was depressing. Yeah. You know, it. I felt like it had hit rock bottom, and I inwardly with every ounce of me was just sad and gloomy Mm -hmm. and i needed that constant whatever i can't think of the word constant input you know just filling all of my other senses with good things Mm -hmm. because if i'm filling it if i'm already feeling gloomy and depressed and then i'm filling it with gloomy and depressing things that i'm not doing anything good for my mental stability, my right. emotional stability, you know, and then therefore as a mom, I'm not going to do any good for my kids and their mental and emotional stability. Um, so that to me is why it is so necessary and so important to have humor in mm-hmm. our life. You Absolutely. never know. I'm, we don't need it just in the happy times. We need it. Every ounce of us needs it in the bad times. Yep. Absolutely. Uh the last thing I want to share with you guys is uh, something we actually shared in the first podcast we ever did, uh, and it's the clown's prayer. You might have heard of this before, um, but the late, great Chris Farley on SNL, uh, or of SNL fame, and of course several movies that I'm sure most of you have seen, like Tommy mm-hmm. Boy and Black Sheep, mm-hmm. and uh, was it Beverly Hills Ninja, too, where he played... Was he in Beverly Hills Ninja? I'm pretty sure he was the the ninja wasn't he oh i don't remember i just really remember black sheep but yeah black sheep and tommy (laughs) boy are the classics uh with david spade uh but yeah he used to read this uh often out loud before each of his performances uh chris certainly wasn't 
perfect. Uh, he struggled with a lot of addictions and bad habits, but uh, he did desire to be better. In fact, uh, he had, you know, he had a, his own pastor. His pastor's name was Matt Foley. If you recognize that name as a character from SNL that he used, which was the motivational speaker, Matt Foley, the living in a van down by the river guy. I wasn't allowed to watch You that. didn't watch that back then? Oh, no. you got to watch that. That's no, a classic there's character. A, there's a funny story there, too, that I'll tell you later. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he used to read this. Uh, the clown's prayer goes like this. As I stumbled through this life, help me to create more laughter than tears, dispense more cheer than gloom, spread more joy than despair. Never let me become so indifferent that I will fail to see the wonders in the eyes of a child or the twinkle in the eyes of the aged. Never let me forget that my total effort is to cheer people, make them happy, and forget momentarily all the unpleasantness in their lives. And in my final moment, may I hear you whisper... When you made my people smile, you made me smile. Mm, that's good. I think that we, what we've said today goes hand in hand with the scripture of Psalm 126.2, which says, then our, mouths was, or, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for me and for Mo. Mm-hmm. And that is why we choose to laugh. Absolutely. And we hope that you get to laugh along with us here on these morning shows. You're listening to the best of the back row. You're listening to the best of the back row. Bible verse for the day is Isaiah 43. 11 and 12. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Hmm. And our thought for the day comes from Ravi Zacharias. An opinion is something that you hold, but a conviction is what holds you. Thank you for listening to the best of Matt and Mo here on BackRowRadio.com. For more of Matt and Mo's antics throughout the years, follow our podcast, The Morning Side Hug, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can hear brand new episodes of The Morning Side Hug Monday through Thursday on BackRowRadio.com at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. See you again real soon. <laughs>